Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses, our South Shore Golf Coast, and our online campus to week one of our new series entitled Transform. Come on, can we just welcome the other campuses right now? Can we do that? I am so pumped up. I've been so excited praying about, studying, believing. We're so excited about the series. We've been really preparing for the last three or four months for this. This series, Transform, it's based upon a series done uh, by Pastor Rick Warren in California, uh, who pastors Saddleback Church. He's the one that you may have heard his name before, who, who wrote Purpose Driven Life. We've done some of his uh, stuff before, and we're so inspired, and we love Pastor Rick, you know, in this series, we're going to be looking at seven key areas of our lives. Seven key areas. We're going to be looking at the spiritual area, emotional, mental, relational, social, the relationship dimension. We're also going to be looking at financial, and then we're going to end up the series looking at our, our vocation and what does the Bible. Now, let me just say this. I'm not going to be just giving you my opinion every week. I'm not going to just be opening the Reader's Digest or giving some philosophy out of my brain. We're going to be looking to the Bible. What does the Bible say about these topics? What does the Bible say about my emotions? What does the Bible say about relationships and finances? And what does the Bible say about our relationship with God? We do have a theme verse, uh, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I love this verse. Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and, and here's what Paul says in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2. Again, we're going to use this every week. Here, here's what he says. <clears throat> he says, do not be, what's that next word say it? Do not be conformed. The word conformed there means pressed into a mold. He says, do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't be pressed into the world. I remember as a kid uh, doing that thing, plaster parish. Y'all remember that? You, you'd build a little mold and then you'd have this, this plaster and you'd pour it in and then you'd take the mold off. And, and whatever the mold was, uh, really the plaster took on the shape of the mold. Here's what Paul says. Don't, be, don't let your life be poured into the world system. In other words, uh, treat people differently than the culture would treat it apart from God. In other words, don't take your cues from people uh, that, that, that are not taking them from God about how to even connect with God, connect with one another, connect with your destiny and your future. Don't be conformed to this world. The world has a way. The world has a system. He says, let me give you the converse, Paul said. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but rather I want you to be what? Say it transform. There's the word. You may want to circle that in your Bible. Be transformed. Well, pastor, okay, I don't want to be conformed but how am I transformed? Okay, how does this happen? Well, I'll tell you how that happens. Paul says it right there. He says, I don't want you to be conformed, but I want you to be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. In other words, there, there's a biblical practice called renewing of the mind. It's so cool. And there's a biblical practice of taking off the old Taking off that stinking thinking, you ever heard about that before? Taking off unhealthy thoughts and putting on new thoughts, biblical thoughts, godly thoughts. And let me tell you the reason why. Because true change doesn't start in your behavior, it starts in your mind and your heart. See, if you want to change your life, man, 2015, new year, so excited about this. See, if you want to change your life, you don't start with your behavior. You start with your thinking. You start with your heart, what you have been believing, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to take this principle, the Romans 12, two principle, and we're going to apply it to our spiritual life today, week one. 
We're gonna apply it to our emotional life. How, how, do I, how do I live a transformed emotional life? How do I live a transformed mental, financial, relational life? Well, what does the Bible say about that? How do I take off unhealthy thinking, unproductive thinking, and how do I put on godly thoughts, good thoughts, biblical thoughts? Now, I know you guys probably, most of you, have been formulating goals for the new year. I mean, it's everywhere, right? I mean, newspaper, you know, you pull up internet, but I mean, it's, it's all over, the, and that's a good thing. And uh, it's new year, people get excited. Uh, January 1st, uh, you know, I've never seen more people running in my neighborhood uh, than that day. <laughs> and you always know, like, who's, like, starting that day because, like, their gear's new. And uh, I just want to kind of help everybody. I don't mean to be crude, mean, but, but guys, 21st century, you don't wear headbands, not cool. I, I, don't, I don't mean to be, it's just not cool, okay? And so it's, you always know kind of who's starting off. And, and, and of course, I've, been, I've, I've just gone crazy this year from Thanksgiving to Christmas. I've eaten just everything. And, you know, because I, I know January's coming. I work out, too. And I'm like, I know January's coming. But let me tell you something. You, you can have new goals and resolutions. L listen very closely. You can have all of those things. But did you know if you don't change the way you think, you're going to go right back into those old habits and patterns? See, the fact is, and I, and, I, and I appreciate diet programs, I appreciate all those different things, but if you don't change what your mind, how you view yourself, how you view God, how you view life, if you don't get into this book and really allow that, 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 that old mindset to die and put on a new mindset, you know what happens? You tend to go back to your old ways of living. The fact is, is that, God wants us to live transformed lives. I, I believe that God, and that's really what this series is about, God wants us to experience new. See, I, I believe this, and, and I'm gonna ask this one question. How many of y'all would like to end up 2015 closer to Christ than when you began the year? How many of y'all would like that? I, I would. That's a good goal. Okay, let me say this. That's a very good goal, but you're gonna have to do some things differently. You're gonna to have to believe some things. You're gonna to have to believe some things. You're gonna to have to be willing to change. You've heard that definition before. Everybody heard that. You've heard of the definition of insanity, right? What, doing the same things over and over again, expecting different what? Results. See, we're gonna to have to change some inputs to get some different outcomes this year. Whether it's in our financial life, our relational life, our spiritual life, our emotional life. Fact is, is that some of us, we start off with this burst of energy, but we don't really go to the core. We don't unpack like an onion. We don't unpack and deal with that old thinking and put on new biblical thoughts. And that's why we tend to go back. We tend to go back to our old ways, even if they're injurious and painful to us. Today, I, I want to begin week one. I'm so fired up about this series. I want you guys to stay with me over the next seven weeks. I know there's going to be lots of opportunities to do everything things, but there's something about week in and week out. Today, here's what I want to do. I want to start off with spiritual health. And each week, it's going to be, uh, the second word is going to be health. So it's spiritual health. Can you say that with me? Spiritual what? See, I believe there's something about the word healthy. God wants us to be spiritually healthy in 2015, emotionally healthy, mentally healthy, relationally healthy, financially, vocationally healthy. All right. I'm going to ask you to take your notes out, too. I'm going to show you guys something. Uh, these notes are in your bulletin. Again, I know not everybody uh, uh, maybe got one, but I do these for you, for all the new folks. I, I do this for you guys. Uh, you can get a binder on the way out. You can put them in there. There's something about interfacing, interacting, and writing stuff down. Uh, again, we, we put all the scriptures up on, on the screen as well, but there's something about this is for you. 
Uh, I want to give you a sentence to begin. Here it is, spiritual health. In this first message, we're going to look at spiritual health, and there's going to be two concepts we're going to unpack. The further, here it is, the further that you get away from God, the more your life will be troubled. Now, now, now hear me closely. Life is hard enough by itself. It's harder when you try to live it without God. Let me say that again. Life is hard enough. I'm not suggesting you become a Christian. All your cares, all your problems are taken away. That's not true. See, when you're a Christian, we still live in a fallen world. But how many know you have God's help to get through the hurts of the day? You've got God's help to deal with all the obstacles you may be dealing with. So one of the axioms we're going to deal with in this first message is, the, here it is. The further that you get away from God, the more that your life is troubled. Now, now, now watch the difference here. The closer that you move to God, the more your life is transformed. The further that you get away from God, the more things it don't, they don't work out. And I'm talking about all seven things, seven categories. I mean, you, you may be doing real well in two, but not in the other five. How many know Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could win and succeed in three areas, but be defeated in four? The abundant life touches every dimension of our lives. You, you guys with me? The closer you are to God, you experience transformation. And we see that throughout Scripture. We, all, we see that throughout Scripture, that, that something happens when people get close to God. But here's the problem. The problem is we get busy, right? We get busy, things start happening, and gosh, man, you know, I, just, I, I want to serve God. I really want to do this. I want to read my Bible. I want to come to church. And, and, and some of you guys, maybe it's been a, a couple years, or maybe you've never been, or maybe, maybe it's been a couple months, and there's, there's, there's the cares of this world, it, 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 it hits all of us. We're excited about God in college. You meet your spouse, you're, you know, this thing and something happens and you have, well, then you have a child and, and that's exciting and I can bring one, then there's two. And look, I get it. I've got four children. I understand. I've got a minivan. <laughs> I understand how hard it is to get four kids, to, you know, get them to church and, you know, they're sitting in the back seat and, and you sit down and you're not worshiping when you're doing this. You're sit down. Of course, don't look at me so stinking holy. You do that too to your kids. Get out, right? Oh, I'm telling you. Then you open the door, oh, hi, pastor, God bless you. <laughs> I know what you're doing in that van. Don't, don't, we, we, got, we understand. I get it, man, look, I, I understand. I, and so look, we get busy, right? It's not like we're in these evil things. Sometimes we just get distracted. But the farther away you get from God and his word and walking with God, it's just all these things come into our lives and we don't have the power to navigate them. But when we get close to God, transformation takes place. Old Testament, Moses, hey, isn't it interesting? In the Old Testament, the greatest man that ever lived, the Bible says, humblest man, Moses, in the Old Testament, he was a murderer. Greatest man apart from Christ in the New Testament, Paul the apostle, he was a murderer. How many of y'all feeling better about yourselves? Come on, just right. But here's the deal but they experienced transformation. Paul was walking on the road to Damascus, boom. He gets knocked to the ground, has this encounter with God. He presses into God. The whole Bible, the whole New Testament, he wrote two thirds of the New Testament, is about Paul accounting for where he was and now, and now looking to where he was going. He was pressing in. Every dimension of his life, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, mentally, vocationally, what he was called by God to do. Fact is, in Isaiah 53, 6, let's just be honest, all of us, the Bible calls Jesus, okay, it's the shepherd, and we're the sheep. 
And so I'm including myself. We're all in this together. Here's, here's, the, here's the reality of where we are. The human nature, the proclivity of human nature is we all tend to, we all tend to just, 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 just wander from time to time. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We all have turned everyone to his own way. In other words, you get in life and you don't mean to. Pastor, how did I get here? I don't know. I just woke up one day. I, just, I hadn't been connected. I've been out. I've just been kind of just wandering out. Well, what happens is you take one step and then the next step gets a little bit easier out there and then third step and see, so, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a wandering nature in humanity. And that's why it's so important to be around the people of God. That's why it's so important to be, I believe in scripture. And that's why it's so important to be a person where there's good people in your life, to be able to encourage and coach you and champion you and build you up. By the way, that's what small group's all about. That's the whole basis of it. So today, here's what I wanna do. Week one, spiritual health. Here's what I wanna do. I want to talk to you right out of a story in the Bible, four principles of how to get back on track with God in 2015. Or, or how, how, how do I learn to stay close to God? How do I get back on track with God? Okay, and that may be some of you in here. And then also, this applies to all of us, how do I stay on track with God? If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open to Luke chapter 15. Very familiar parable, maybe to some, and it's the parable of the prodigal son, the lost son, and the loving father. Luke chapter 15, we're going to read verse 11 to verse 24. Very, very, very powerful. Here we go. The Bible says, then he said, a certain man had two sons. So there's a guy, a dad, he's got these two boys, and here's what happens. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me. Now, these words are going to be so important. I'm going to end the message, all right, comparing these words, these two words, with two other words. Here's what he says. Father, what do these words say out loud? Give me. Very important. Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So I divided them as livelihood. Next verse. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine. This is big. A severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he, he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and, but no one gave him anything. He was, he was trying to figure out, he was hungry, and, and what am I going to do? But but finally he came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat? Listen, they have, they have even left over and, and yet I perish. I'm starving. The guys that work for my dad, man, they're eating. But here I, I'm starving. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Here's the other two words. Say it with me. Make me. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. His dad's, a party starts happening. Next verse. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. A couple more verses. But the father said to his servants, listen, here's what he did. Here's the father's response. The father said, bring it out. Come on, bring out the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandal on his feet, bring out the fatted calf. We're going we're gonna to have a party. Kill that calf and let us eat and be married. For this, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be married. Don't you love that story? 
It's an amazing story. It tells a story about how all of us have a tendency to wander. I think that we can all find ourselves in this story, that we can wander away from the God that loves us. And again, we don't set out to, we don't mean to. We get busy, life, it's complex. It's lots of challenges, responsibilities. And this father, this Jewish, here's the deal, it's a Jewish context, two boys and a dad. You talk about something that was presumptuous, unoffensive. One of the boys comes to the dad and says to the dad, dad, hey, dad, dad, watch. I want my inheritance. Now think about that. Think about that. The ramification. You don't get your inheritance traditionally until the person does what? Dies. Do you realize what he was telling his dad? I want what I want. It'd be better off if you weren't even here. He demanded so much, give me, interesting, give me. We all start off like that, self-centered, self-absorbed, self-seeking, self-serving. Give me what's mine. So his dad, his dad gave him his inheritance, half of all the dad had. So what did the boy do? Put all the money in his pockets, and he went down to Jerusalem Sunset Strip, and he just started living it up. I mean, he's down at Sunset Street. He's like, yeah, what's happening? Music, boom, 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 music beating. And things are happening. Everybody, yeah, what's up? You know, everybody's all excited. And I mean, he's just got money rolling and he's buying drink. Everybody just party, just partying, just happening. And, and, then, and then one day, he's like, what's up? And, and, and he goes, oh, man, oh, I, I, don't, I don't have any money left. And, and, then, and then his friends left him. And, and then all... And then it went from bad to worse. There's a famine in the land and he's starving. And what is he going to do to eat? He can't buy food because he doesn't have any money. So he has an idea. Here's what I'm going to do. Finally, he talks, he talks a guy into hiring him who's feeding pigs. So now he's down on his knees. Watch this. He's feeding pigs. So he's, he's, doing, he's taking a shovel of pig, uh, pig slop and, and pig food. And he's, he's doing that and he's feeding but watch what else he's doing. He feeds the pigs with one scoop, and then the next scoop, when no one's looking, he's eating it himself. He's eating the food. You know, after he did that for a while, it dawned on him. This is crazy. I am eating pig's food. Hold on. The servants in my father's house have it better than this. What am I doing? The Bible says he came to his senses. I'm going to ask you to take your notes out because I'm going to talk to you today. I want to talk to you about four principles from this story that I believe all of us can employ. Watch this. Don't miss this. In every area of our lives, I believe there's some of you in here, myself included, there's some areas in our lives where we need to come to our senses. We need to wake up. We get into a relationship and we think everything's going well, but they start to get close and we reject them before they reject us because we fear rejection. Wait, we need to wake up. That's, listen, that's not God's best for you. God does not, it's not the cross in your life for you to always live emotionally dysfunctional. No, God can heal you. Are y'all with me? And God, God wants you, you don't, well, I'm trying to get a job. I just go from job to job to job. Wait, wait, we got to wake up. There's some things that we're doing. We need to change. We need to change our thoughts. We need to get some beliefs in there that God is for us, not against us and empower us. We got to wake up. If we want to have a different 2015, we've got to, we've got to have some different inputs. All right. Four things right out. You can put them right down in your notes. Number one, 
And I don't know where you are today. I'm going to tell you, we're all at different places. But I know this, even in my own life, as I was putting this message together, can I tell you the worst thing about a pastor putting a message together? I preach it to myself first, and it, and it hurts a little bit. It's like, I get it more than y'all, you know? And I was looking, I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's, there's, a, there's a couple areas of my life. I, I'm not, I, listen to me. I'm not satisfied with where I am. There's some areas of growth. There's some areas of improvement. You know, the word better is a good word. There's some areas I need, to, I, I need to grow in. Let me go, number one, here it is. Pastor, how do I get back to God? How do I stay on track with God? How do I, how do I break out, break through in these different areas of my lives? Number one, you're gonna have to learn to get fed up with where your life is before you're willing to change. Nothing's gonna happen in our lives over the next seven weeks. Matter of fact, I'm gonna give you a promise. There's gonna be a lot of transformation that happens here. If you're not interested in transformation, I say this respectfully, I say this humbly, this is probably not the service to come to. Come when I'm teaching the book of Revelations, I'll be talking about hell. Of course, you can live in hell now, you don't have to. But anyway, if you wanna... <laughs> the fact is, is that this is all about, listen, when I open up this book and I read this book, this book is filled with men and women. They're not perfect, thank God they're not perfect. Because I couldn't relate to them. But they're people that were on a journey of spiritual transformation. Number one, we're gonna to have to learn to get fed up. We're gonna to have to learn to say, you know what, man, I don't wanna live this way. There was a time in my life, not too many years ago, there was some emotional stuff in my life, some pain in my heart. I thought, wait, I don't wanna, I don't want to live like this anymore. I, I, I don't, there's some, I, I, there's some anxiety that some of you guys are living with that, that, that you somehow bought the lie that that anxiety is the tag that's on your life. You don't have to live with that. There's more in God for you. The fact is, is that change doesn't happen until you're willing, willing to get fed up, until you're desperate. The fact is that we get desperate. People get desperate enough. No, nothing, nothing really happens. You're like, wait, time out. Whether it's physically, we're going we're gonna to go for it in a couple of weeks, man. We're going to go for it. What does the Bible say about our physical body? I'm telling you, we're going to go for it. We all need to be preached to on that. Did you know that God, God calls your body his temple on the earth? That's a big deal. That our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's, there comes a time where, where we've got we've to we've get fed up, and that's where transformation happens. Why? Because God loves you. But I like what somebody says, God loves you where he finds you. But he loves you too much to leave you where he found you. See, that, that's the element where, where, where we say, I need change. Jeremiah 29, 13, I love this. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. When? When you get serious enough about finding that, that's, that's called being fed up. And you want it more than anything else? I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God is going to reveal himself to us. Oh, I, I am believing God. This is going to be the most life-transforming series we've ever done in 15 years as a church. I'm believing to be a different person in seven weeks. How about you? Come on. I, I'm believing. That's what I'm believing. Well, pastor, you know, I don't know. You say that. No, no, that being unto you according to your faith. I'm believing God's going to work in my heart in all these seven areas. But number one, we've got to be willing to get fed up. I remember before I became a Christian. I mean, I did this. They said, if you do this, you'll be happy. I wasn't. If you do this, then you'll be happy. I wasn't. I was in college. If you do this, then you'll be happy. I, I, sheesh, I did. it was elusive. Finally, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't want to live that way anymore. And when that happened, it was interesting. I was invited to a Bible study, and I was open. Why? I was open because I was sick and tired of living the way I was living. And by the way, after you become a Christian, there's still moments, eureka moments in your life. There's moments in your life, even after you're a Christian, where, where there's areas that you feel like you're, watch this, you feel like you're stagnating. That's where maybe some of you are. You've been serving God for maybe 20, 30 years, but yet you're stagnating. 
You don't have to remain there, but you're not going to change until you get fed up with where you are, until you believe that God has more, and God has more. Number one, everybody say, get fed up. Number two, after I, if, after I get fed up, after I come to that place in my life where I get fed up, I have to own up. I have to own up to my sin. First, I get fed up. Second, I own up. The second thing this young man did is, first he got fed up, but look at Luke 15, 17 and 18. But when he came to himself, watch this. When he came to himself, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. This boy, this young man, there was a moment in his life where he owned it. He, watch this, don't miss this. He owned, this is wrong. I was presumptuous, I took for, can I tell you what one of the problems is? This word right here, listen, this is not cool to say in our culture anymore. Listen, we don't call it sin anymore, we call it issues. <laughs> I have some issues, really, yeah. <laughs> or, 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 we call it, or we call it a mistake. Uh, yeah, I made a mistake, really. Let me tell you what a mistake is. Here's a mistake. Okay, I'm, I'm 45, six, whatever. <laughs> Y'all told me that was gonna happen to me, but anyway, so, so this week I went and I did it. I took the plunge. I went to Walgreens and I got $5.49 reading glasses. <laughs> That's crazy. Because you know, I got super big print Bibles. I write like in 35 point font here and I just, I just, I finally said, this is crazy, I gotta do it. Okay, let me tell you what a mistake is. A mistake is forgetting your reading glasses. That's not sin. That's dumb, but it's not sin. Are y'all with me? But there's ways that I've spoken to my wife over the years, that's, that's sin and a mistake. Can I tell you something? <laughs> that's issues, mistake, and sin. And anything else you can put in that gumbo, but anyway. We've got to understand our terms because if you're still calling sin a mistake or an issue, listen, God can't heal you unless you reveal and speak to what it really is. Are, are y'all with me? Does that make sense? He, he had a, this boy had to own it. Here's what he did. He's eating. He got fed up. He goes, wait a minute. This is crazy. What am I doing here? This is, and that's what I'm hoping over seven weeks. Some of you go in this area, in all seven areas. Remember, there may be some areas you're doing great, but there are some areas you go, this is crazy. This is crazy in this area. This is crazy. What am, I, I, I need a change. But then the second one is I realize, God, I, I, I've blown it bad. And I realize there's some areas I've, I've just blown it. An attitude at times. I think a bad, grumpy attitude when you're offending people, I call that sin. I really do. I think when you're hurting people, you're taking advantage, you're doing things. I, I don't think that's, well, he's got a bad side of the bed. No, it's called selfishness. So this boy came to a point where he had to recognize, you know King David in the Old Testament, he came to a point in his life where he recognized when he sinned, eh, adultery. He said, man, this is a big deal. Psalms 51, he says, be merciful to me, O God, because of your constant love, because of your great mercy. How does God treat us when we confess our sin? Does he throw us aside? That's it. No, look what the Bible says. David says, wash away all my evil. Make me clean in my, from my sin. I recognize my faults. You may want to circle, I recognize, he owned it. He didn't blame, he wasn't a victim. Something would happen, you know, I did this because that. And we all have been hurt. By the way, Memo, we've all been hurt in life. Everybody's been hurt. Do you realize that? Everybody's been hurt in life. I know there's degrees, but everybody's been hurt. But we can't blame anybody else for our actions. We've got to own it. Everybody say own it. We've, we've got to own it. But let me give you the OxyClean verse. 
Isaiah 1.18, no matter how deep the stain of your sin, here it is, no matter how deep the stain of your sin, you're wondering that I even know that. I can take it out, that's what God says. When you own it, everyone say own it. So I got fed up, I need to change. Now I own up, I own it. Here's what he says. No matter how deep the stain of your sin, I can take it out and make you clean as freshly fallen snow. How many of y'all think that's good news? You, you think that's good news? I think that's good news. That's what God wants to do in our lives. God wants to cleanse us. God wants to heal us. So, so, so number one, I'm believing for change in all of our lives in 2015. I mean in a big way, in a big way. Number one, we've got to be willing to get desperate enough, passionate enough, fed up enough. I want to change. I want to change in what? In one of these seven areas. We need to grow, all right? Number two, number two, we've got to own up. We've got to, if, some, if there's an area where there's been some sin, we've got to just own it. Number three, we've got to offer up. We've got to offer up. Offer up ourselves to God. We get fed up, we own up, and then we offer up. Notice, Pastor, what's the key to spiritual transformation? It's right here in this verse. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. It's right here. Luke chapter 15, verse 12. This is so powerful. Here's what he says. Father, remember the first words? Father, what? Give me. Isn't that how many of us start off? Give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Help me, feed me, 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 me. It's how some Christians are sometimes, but it's, 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 I want it to be about me, my, me, 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 me. But, but, but that's really, if you stay there, you're stuck in an immature position because you really should go from father, give me to what's that next verse? Father, make me. See, that's a discipleship mindset. That's a, listen, I want to be a man of God. Some of you ladies, I, I want to be a woman of God. I, I want the character of Christ. You don't pursue success. You become successful by the person you become and the character that you have, the nine fruits of the spirit, the kindness that you are, the servant. Well, I just wish my, I wish my marriage would be different. Have you ever thought about starting with you? Well, it's their fault. What about my kids? I just want different kids. I mean, you know, you know raising kids is crazy. You get raised in the process. Isn't that right? Of course, I, I'm 46 years old. I got a four-year-old and a little adopted girl. And my, boy, my kids are like, you don't ever do anything. I'm, so, I'm, too, I'm just tired. She gets away from stuff. I don't have the energy. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> kind of like semi-grandparent-ish. <laughs> you know what grandparents are, right? They, they're, they're, the grandkids are a reward for not killing your kids. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I get it. I understand. I got all these kids. So, but, but, but here's the point. Have you ever thought about we need to change, right? Make me, that's spiritual transfer. Make me a spiritual man. Make me a healthy person emotionally. God, make me a blessing to people relationally. Are y'all with me? Make me effective vocationally as a leader and as a pastor of this church. I mean, God wants in every area for us to have a heart. God, work. See, I can't change myself, but I can position myself for God to change me. You position yourself for God to change you. Yeah, that's what we can do. Transformation. Everyone say that word. Say it with me. I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is the scripture. It says, for we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being there. It is transformed into his image with the ever increasing glory. Pastor, I, I need some clarity. I got five minutes and I'm going to be finished. I need some clarity. Don't miss this. Are you transformed when you meet Jesus or do you still need to be transformed? Don't miss this. 
The answer is yes. When you meet Christ, your heart is instantly transformed. But can I tell you what's not transformed? Your brain, your mind. You're five foot 11 and a half, five foot 11, three quarters, still pretty powerful, but that's my heights. I'm just telling you. You go to a mall, don't miss this, you smell perfume, it brings an image from an old relationship. The devil goes, aha, you're not even a Christian. You still have the same senses. You still have the same thought patterns. That's why you need to renew your mind. Are you with me? See, your hearts change immediately transform. It's not like I'm a Christian one day. I'm not a Christian one day. I'm a Christian one day. Your heart, you're saved, right? But guess what needs to transform your whole life? You need to take off stinking thinking, negative thinking, sinful thinking, selfish thinking, and put on powerful thinking, godly thinking, biblical thinking, healthy thinking. Does that make sense? Pastor, how long do you do that? Your whole life. Your whole life. So I'm transformed when I got saved. My heart's transformed, but my mind, will, and emotions need to be transformed throughout my whole life. And how does that happen? When I offer myself up to God, what did he do? Here's what he did. Number one, he got fed up. Everybody say fed up. What am I doing? This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. That's where some of us need to be the next seven weeks. This is crazy. Number two, I own up. God, I sinned. I, I, I sinned. It's more than a mistake. I've sinned in this, one of these areas. I sinned. I've blown it. But then I got to offer myself up. Don't miss this. To offer myself up is I don't sit there and wallow in my sin. I've confessed it. And I get up. And you know what I do? I go offer myself up to God. And the moment, this is so cool. The moment I turned, guess what God does? Guess what? My little boy, one of my little boys, when he's little, he was, uh, I forgot the name of that little cartoon. He would go, <laughs> you know what God does? The moment we turn, God does. And the Bible says he runs toward us. That's what Romans 12, one is. You know what it is? It's a daily offering up. See, some of us have this weird concept of God. God is Wizard of Oz. God, you know, behind there, pulling the strings, and he's after you, and he's mad at you. God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. God wants to love you more than you even want to receive love yourself. I'm telling you, God's a good God. Life's hard, but God's a good God, and God wants to pour it out. But we've got to be positioned, and what that means is, Romans 12, 1, I'm finishing. He's see what he says. He says, offer yourselves. We got to offer ourselves. What does that mean? We got to position ourselves for change in 2015. We got to be available to God. <laughs> Y'all with me? Offer yourselves up a living sacrifice, holy to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In other words, that's what you ought to do. That's the least we ought to do. And when you do that, then you're transformed. You, 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 what, do we, what do we mean? It means we wake up, we position ourselves before this word. We write God glorifying, God honoring goals, and we review goals. What are we doing? We're offering ourselves up to God. We're showing up at church the next seven weeks. You guys are gonna have so many opportunities to not come other than going to a Saints game. <laughs> and I love the Saints. But I'm gonna tell you something. There's an opportunity where we have to make a decision. I'm gonna offer my, it's like you got, if you're gonna work out, you got to go up and show up at the gym, right? In the same way spiritually, if you wanna change spiritually in 2015, you've got to show up. You got to show up in this word. You got to show up around people. That's what small group's all about. Oh, you know, small group, they always want a little kumbaya spirit. They want to get us whole, you know. I'm just, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Pastor, what if I got a group and they're weird? Go to another one or you may be weird. <laughs> it's always them, right? Isn't that right? They're weird. You've gone to three groups. You're weird. <laughs> Are y'all with me? 
I'm making this up. It's funny. I feel good. I don't care if you like it or not. It's <laughs> kind of just cathartic. So, so here's my point. You got to offer yourself up. You don't sit there and wallow. You've confessed your sin. Now get connected to community. Get in a group of people. Show up in the house of God. Show up in this word. Pastor, I want to be transformed. It's like somebody physical. I want to change. Okay, you have to show up. You get a trainer, meet me here, right? In a sense, in a sense, I'm going to be your spiritual trainer over the next seven weeks. Now, I don't have it all together either. I'm, we're all growing. That's the thing about being a pastor. I'm called as a pastor, but I'm, I'm also in the process too, okay? But the reality is, is you need somebody to be able to lovingly look at you and say, hey, let's do this thing together. Everybody say, watch this. Everybody say, get fed up, own up, offer up. Let me give you this last and final thing, is that we have to learn to put our thanks up to God. This boy at the end, this is so powerful. This boy at the end, he comes. And his father's response, if you look at it, his father kissed him, hugged him. My son was dead, now he's alive. Look at that, Luke 15, 24. My son was dead, now he's alive. Let's be merry. Listen to me. God, this sounds so crazy if it wasn't in the Bible. I just, when, one, when we are willing to grow, you know what God does? He throws a party. That's what he does. When you're willing to grow spiritually, God throws a party. When you're willing to grow emotionally, God, God, why? Because God designed you to grow. Now, there's always going to be religious people, right? Yeah, you went over that thing at Church of the King, Christ the King Church. You ever hear Christ the King, that little preacher? Yeah, yeah I heard he's middle-aged, wearing glasses now. But anyway, yeah, you believe that you're going to change? Well, let me just tell you something. You've been the same way for the, the, your whole life. Yeah, and you're always going to be like that. There's always going to be people like that. You with me? There's always going to be, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What about my rewards? There was an older brother. Yeah, you're over there. Yeah, they give cookies away. That's how many people go over there. They get a little ice cream and inflatables. That's what they do. <laughs> Trust me, I hear it all. <laughs> they get excited because they put extra caffeine in the coffee. You get excited about change, there's always going to be somebody sitting here right like this. Y'all with me? You know, you're, oh, you, you and your husband are going to get better in 215? Yeah, really? <laughs> and here's what you need to do. You just keep showing up to God. You show up in the Word. Love those people from a distance. But anyway, so, <laughs> Pastor, I'm married to him. Okay, it's bring me a little closer. But anyway, so, <laughs> yeah. Here's my point. I believe that God wants all of us to experience transformation. Friends, God loves you so much. He loves you. He likes you. And he wants to help you change. He wants to help you grow. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing in all of our lives. And Jesus, you are touching us and so desire of us to grow and to become like you in our character. And I just think it's appropriate this very first week. Maybe you're in this place and you don't know Christ. Maybe you're not sure about your relationship with God. Uh, may, maybe you're not sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God. I, I'm going to let everybody walk out of here in three minutes, right up the dot, 1230. I let every, it's the same time every week. But if you do not know Jesus, you're not sure about your relationship with God at all of our campuses, our South Shore, Gulf Coast online campus, you're not sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God. I want to pray for you. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. I can't save you. 
Our church can't save you. Don't let anybody tell you that a denomination can save you. Jesus says, do you know Christ? Are you sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? See, if not, if you'll confess, God, I need you. I repent of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Change me, transform me. God will save you. He'll change your heart. And then you start the whole lifelong process of transformation in your whole life. But it begins with the heart change. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart. Do you know Christ? Has your sins been forgiven? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? The count of three, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you and have you stand and come down front. But right where you are, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, the count of three. Would you just lift your hands up high? One, two, three. Quickly all over this place. Hold it up high. 